The Bible says, God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever does what? Believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to take your bulletin out if you got one this morning. Look on the back. I, I'm going to speak today in the second half of this message. Last week we began talking about God's law written in stone. And we have that illustrated up here. God wrote with the finger of God in stone the Ten Commandments. And God gave them to His people that by them they might know His heart, His will. He set a measuring stick. There are three words in the Bible that have to do with sin. One of them is the word transgression. Transgression means God set a line and I've stepped over it. The other one is fall short. That means God measured himself, his holiness, and that's what he measures all of us by. When we stand before him, the Bible says, I will be measured by his holiness. I got good news for, for you folks. When the Lord Jesus saved us, right, guess what he did? He took off his robe of righteousness and he wrapped it around our shoulder so that when I stand before a holy God, he won't see what I was before I got saved. He will see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I will stand before him holy because of the cross. The other one is the word that has to do with going crooked. God has set a straight line. The Bible says we have turned everyone to our own way and we have, he has laid on him the iniquity, that's what that word means, of us all. All three of those words, according to the law, will serve to one day condemn us. And I gave you a copy last week of the Ten Commandments. Many put it in your Bible. But the verse that we have just read in the Bible, John 3, 16, pictures the middle ground between this, between the law and the love of God written in red. Some of you will know this, some may not, that when God gave to Moses those Ten Commandments, stone written, the Bible says, with the very finger of God. Someone might ask, are they still in the world today? The answer to that is yes. Because God told Moses, he said, Moses, this book of the law will be your measuring stick for all of our people so that when they come to me and you come to the altar of God, we call it that Ark of the Covenant. If you know anything about your Bible, you know that on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was a lid of pure gold. And when the sacrifice was made of the animals, then they, the, the, the priest would come. Only the high priest would come. This was in a place called the Holy of Holies, but on two veils. If he went into the Holy of Holies and there was something unclean in his life, they would tie a rope on his leg because as soon as he would walk into the presence of God, if there was something unholy in his life, God would strike him dead. And he would bring the blood of a little lamb and he would put it and spread it on the mercy seat. What a lot of people may not realize is that under the mercy seat 
in the Ark of the Covenant lays the Ten Commandments written with the fingers of God. And you know what? The Bible says that at the end time, God is going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And the, one of the things, man, I, I get so excited, I, can't, I get these goosebumps going on, okay? One of the things that will be placed in there will be that golden mercy seat. And under the mercy seat will be the Ten Commandments. And the Bible said that that Ten Commandments would forever be the measuring stick. Today, we come to the place where judgment meets mercy. Where God's law is covered in red by God's love. Does anybody in here have a Bible that has red letter, is a red letter edition? We got a few folks in here. I studied this message out of a Bible at my desk that has red letter edition. And you say, preacher, you know a lot about the Bible. I think I do. But you know what I found? I found that that verse of Scripture in my Bible, John 3, 16, in my Bible was in the letters of red. And, and, and you know what the letters of red are. Those are the words of Jesus. And I began to research the most interesting study this week. I looked at where did that, when did they begin putting the words of Jesus in red, written in red? And it happened about 1898. A man was reading his Bible. He was a publisher in Europe. He's a German man. He was reading his Bible. And all of a sudden, he came across the phrase, the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, wouldn't it be a great thing if certain words in the Bible that had significance of Christ would be written in red? And so for about a year and a half, he went through, got scholars together, and they found all the words of Jesus. And in 19 hundred the first bible was published with the words of jesus written in red it was a revolution listen to this it says the first the man's name was klopsik the first thought of printing the words of jesus in red when he read luke twenty two twenty, which speaks of the cup of the new testament in christ's blood he included the words of jesus quoted by others but not the words of christ in the old testament it was extremely popular. The first edition was 60,000 copies of that Bible. Red letter testaments soon sold out. Prominent individuals gave their blessing to it, such as the King of Sweden and President Theodore Roosevelt. For some people, there was such a sacredness about that presentation that a Bible without the words of Christ in red was almost unthinkable. It is thought that half of all Bibles printed in that era had the words of Jesus in red. The president of the United States at that time um, asked him, President Theodore Roosevelt, invited him to come to the White House and read the Word of God and the words of Jesus in his presence that were written in red. Boy, that's a long way from where we are right now. Excuse me. No, I'm, don't excuse me. I wish we could get back to a time when the words of God were sacred in our society. Where the words of God were sacred in our family. You know why? It tells us about his love. And what I wanted to talk to you about today was that verse of scripture is just a 
a, a diving off place when we want to see the love of God written in red by his own holy blood. It is that thing that seals us. It is that thing that covers us. It is that thing that changes us. It is that power of God that separates us from our past to our future. And many have said that the, that one verse, John three sixteen, is the greatest verse in the Bible. I looked at it again and I wrote this out. God is the first word and that's the greatest giver. So love the world. That's the greatest gift ever given. He gave his only begotten son. That's the greatest love ever extended. That whosoever believeth in him, that's the greatest invitation, will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the greatest transformation. All of it in one verse of scripture. Five times in the New Testament, it says, in his own blood, or with his own blood. Five times in the New Testament, with his own blood, with his own blood. He has purchased us, Acts 20 says, with his own blood. He has redeemed us with his own blood. He has sanctified us, that means set us apart. Once you become a Christian, you're no more the same. God sets you apart. You are his. He has washed us clean with his own blood. He has cleansed us. Not just forgiven us, but to remove the stain is what that means. With his own blood. And the Bible teaches us that what that high priest did every year for the nation of Israel Listen to this. The book of Hebrews says that after Jesus Christ died on the cross, it says, with his own blood. He entered once. They had to do it every year because it was a symbol. It was a symbol. But 2,000 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord Jesus knew all of us. He took every one of us. He suffered for every one of us, all of us. And the Bible says he entered into the Holy of Holies as our great high priest with his own blood. And he walked up to that altar of God, not the picture of it, the real thing. And he placed his own blood, watch it, over his own law. Woo! He placed his own blood over over the law. And you say, Pastor, what happened at that moment? What difference does that make? Well, if you got your your bulletin, I want you to write some things, or if you have your Bible or someplace to take notes. You see, God's love for you was written in red in at least four places. Number one, God's love for you was written in red on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile us. Boy, reconciliation is a big word. All things unto himself. By him, I say, whether there be things on earth, things in heaven, God brought everything that had ever been tainted by the touch of sin through his own blood on the cross. And I believe this. And I'm going I'm to end this morning with how personal that cross was. But I'm going to cast a vision in your mind. I believe that every one of us are under 
the law, right? Is there anybody in here who has never sinned? Don't raise your hand. You know why? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? I would have you turn to your neighbor and say you're a sinner, but he'd have to answer you back, so are you. Because the Bible says we've all come short of the glory of God. Now, God, being infinite, was able to do something. The Bible teaches that every one of us individually will stand before God. But he being God was able to individually stand for us all at one time. Now let me help you to understand and see. And I'll conclude the message with this whole concept. When Jesus died on the cross and put his blood on the cross, he died for you as if there was nobody else in the whole world. He died for you. I want in your heart, I want you to say this. He died for me. Just, he died for me. Now when you understand that concept, there is what we call substitution. Bible teaches substitution. It means he took my place. In order for him to take my place, he had to become me. He set me aside. He took me into himself. He's God. And when he died on the cross, it was as if he was me. He was you. So on the cross, God wrote in red, paid in full. Woo! That may not be exciting to you, but man, I needed that. I had a debt I couldn't pay. And he on the cross paid in full all the laws that I'd ever broken, all the thoughts I'd ever had, all the deeds that were wrong, all the motives that were wrong, all of the things that are wrong. Boom, he took them to the cross and he wrote, paid in full. Wow. Secondly, in heaven, as he took that altar before him and he took his finger and he wrote in blood, I believe he wrote this, covered forever. In the book of Hebrews, it says every year the high priest had to go once a year for everybody. But Christ, when he came, he was not a high priest after the order of Aaron or any others. He was a high priest that was perfect. His blood was perfect. You don't have to have any more sacrifice. He said, that's the last time. And did you know, folks, even, even on that day 2,000 years ago, even though the fact that Israel had ever since God instituted the tabernacle and ever since God instituted the holy place and ever since God instituted that altar, every year they sacrificed that altar until, watch it, Jesus Christ died. And did you know that day until this day the nation of Israel has no longer put the blood of a lamb on the altar? You know why? What happened that moment when he cried into the sky? It is finished. 
Do you remember what happened in the temple? The people were already there. This was the 14th day of Nice, and this was the same day. The same day Jesus was nailed on the cross was the same day that that high priest was supposed to slay a little lamb and put his blood on the altar, and he was getting ready to do so. But the Bible says when he cried aloud unto the Father and to all of the universe, it is finished, paid in full. It will be covered. The veil did what? Tore from the bottom to the top. And for the first time in 4,000 years, the high priest was revealed. Whoa. Hallelujah. Because he wrote, covered forever. Now it gets personal. The Bible says not only did he write on the cross, and not only did he write, on that holy covenant altar. The Bible says he wrote something in your heart. Listen to what it says. If we confess our sins. What? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Paul was writing to the church. He said this new thing was written in your hearts. Whoa. When I came to Jesus like an old sinner. And man I knelt down before him and I said oh God I faced the law. God I know the law. And God I've broken the law. And oh Lord Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. I accept your love. God, I want to feel your love. God, please forgive me. The Bible says, he wrote in my heart, cleansed forever. I want to ask you a question. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? Think through. When he died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? All of them. Everybody say, all of them. Okay? One, two, three. All of them. How many did he pay for? All of them. So what happens when he died on the cross to my present sins? He paid for all of them. What about my past sins? All of them. What about my future sins? They were all in the future when he died. You say, well, preacher, what do I do now? That's what this verse is talking about. You see, one has to do before me coming before this altar, being judged by the law, standing in what we call in front of the great white throne of God. You know who stands in front of the great white throne, ladies and gentlemen? The only people who stand at the great white throne judgment of God, which is the judgment that sentences people to their eternal destiny. And on that throne sits Jesus Christ and those who come there are those who have never received Christ as their Savior. And they stand in front of the great white throne judgment. And anybody who comes to the great white throne judgment, the Bible says, is cast into the lake of fire. It is not a judgment to determine whether they go to heaven or hell. It is only a matter of them looking at their record and God sentencing them. Why, preacher? Because they've never been covered. They've never had God right in their heart, cleansed 
forever. You say, well, what about the things I do wrong? As a Christian, oh, that breaks fellowship with God. Let me give you a picture. My father was a great Christian, a great preacher. He was an evangelist, and, I, and he was gone an awful lot when I was young. The only time that my dad ever hit me, I was an athlete, trained. He had gone off to revival. My mama was sick. He said, son, I'm going to leave you in charge of your mother. I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to take care of your mother. And I said, okay, dad, I will. I checked on her, and she was doing fine. My fishing buddy, who was in high school with me, came over to the house and said, hey, Brad, let's go fishing. I said, I got to take care of my mama. He said, how's she doing? I said, fine. Come on, he said, let's go fishing. I said, good idea. So I left my mama. We went down and got us some, caught some little old bitty bluegills about that long, and went down to this big lake and, and this little river where there was what we call down there jackfish. They were like pickerel or a big old mouth. And we were headed down there. Man, I was so excited. I wasn't thinking about my mom. I wasn't thinking about anything. We had the bait. We had the raw. We were headed down there. Just as I got there, I looked and I saw some dust flying up. Guess who it was? My daddy. His car had broken down on the way to his meeting. He was already pretty ticked. So he came home to check on mama and to check on me taking care of mama, right? And I wasn't home. Oh, that was bad. He said very few words. He said, get in the car, Brad. Yes, sir. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat. My dad's sitting in the driver's seat, and he's driving home. And I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden, he goes, boom, and hits me right here. You know what? It didn't hurt my body. It sure did hurt my heart. You know why? I knew I deserved everything he could put on me. We rode in silence a little bit. Now, what had happened? Was I still his son? Right? I was still his son, right? But what had been broken? Trust. Fellowship. And he whacked me. Now let me ask you something. If you're a child of God and you do something wrong, is God apt to whack you? Yes or no? You know what the Bible says? He chastens every child that he what? Loves. And if you don't do, if you can do something wrong and God never does anything to you, the Bible says you better check up. You may not be his kids. You know what? I don't, I don't discipline my neighbor's kids. They need it. They really need it. I see a lot of that. But I don't do that. And I had to humble myself to my dad because I knew he was right. And I said, Dad, I am so sorry. And he said, Brad, I've always been able to trust you, son. And we had a moment. And guess what? Our fellowship was restored. I learned a lesson that day. Oft times I failed my heavenly father. But he didn't cease to be my father. And when I would come to him and I would confess my sin and I'd say, God, I'm so sorry. He'd say, son, 
I love you. I will forgive you. And the fellowship is what? Restored. You see the difference? That person who's never been born again, God is not his father. It's like me and my next door kid. God will be his judge. But here, when he wrote in your heart, when he took your place, he wrote cleansed completely. The fourth time, this illustration is used in the Bible. It says this, in your life and in your spirit, he wrote, forgiven and free. Forgiven and free to be. Forgiven and free to do. Forgiven. Listen to what the Word of God says here. It says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. When he died for me, ladies and gentlemen, when he died for you, he set me free to be anything he wanted me to be. Hallelujah. That cross stands for everything you and I live. Billy Graham said, God proved his love on the cross. When Christ hung and bled and died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. E. Stanley Jones said it this way. At the cross, God wrapped his heart in flesh and blood and let it be nailed to the cross for our redemption. Now, if you'll listen carefully, For the next four or five minutes, I will share with you something that can change your life because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine a great big whiteboard behind me. And I want you to imagine right in the center of that, there's a cross. And if I could draw it, I'd draw a cross right in there. And over that cross, I'd put a great old big heart like that. Because God said that he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. He loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to that cross so that we wouldn't have to die and go to hell, but we could go to heaven. All right, think about this. The Bible says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive my sins and to cleanse me. You know what? I believe most Christians know what to do with their sin. It's not a matter of not knowing what to do with my sin. It's a matter of doing what I know to do with my sin. So what should I do? If I do something wrong, what should I do? I should take it to the cross, right? And put it there. And when I do that, now, in order to do that, I have to realize he took my place. The depth of the cross is this. When he took my place, he became me. So when he became me, he became guilty of everything I've ever done. He experienced in himself everything I've ever done, every word that was wrong. And he went to the cross and God the Father laid it on him and he became you. 
And man, I could just start going around here to make it personal. I could just start right here and go right around this room and I could call your name and say, he became you. He became you. He experienced everything that you've experienced. He became you. He became guilty of it. He experienced it. I mean, I can't even imagine. One of the, one of the most difficult things to try to help somebody over is when a precious young girl who is pure as the driven snow is raped by an evil, wicked, sorry man and he intrudes her very being and he presses upon her and her little old pure heart is all of a sudden crushed by that deed. But I want to tell you something, folks. That's one deed. The precious Holy Spirit of God, the heart of God, listen to me, was crushed with all of your sin at once. Why did he do that? Because as I go through my life, I can come to that cross and I can say to Jesus, Lord, I am so sorry. And he looks down at me. And as the choir saying, I have to realize, it should have been my hands. It should have been my feet, where those nails were. And he wraps his arms around me. And he says, son, I took your place. And I put it on him. Watch it. Okay? So I come up here and I take my sin and I got that cross and I got this heart and I realize and so I say, oh God. And he says, I'll take it. I already have. Don't you carry that thing around. I've already taken it. Give it to me. And when I walk away from that cross, I can write out here, forgiven. Now let me tell you something. The devil will come to you in times past that. When you've confessed something to the Lord, when you've done something, and he wants to try to defeat you with your past. He will bring up a situation, bring up a thought. He'll bring it back to your mind. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to think, well, I don't know, God. You know, I've, I've, I've failed you so much. I did this. I did so much. This is wrong. And the devil will try to get me to bypass the cross and look back at the deeds that I have done, the things that I did wrong. And if he does that, he takes my focus off the cross and he puts it on my failure. But the Holy Spirit in me says, yeah, don't do that. When the devil tries to do that to you, take your eyes off your failure, put your eyes on his love, and remember he took your place. And all of a sudden, my heart starts to jump, and I say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you again. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And I can actually come to the place where when the devil begins to remind me of things that I shouldn't have done, I can actually say, thank you, devil, for reminding me of that. Bless God. Jesus paid it all. Woo, thank you for reminding. You're so good, Lord. Thank you. And all of a sudden, I'm forgiven. And I actually experience the forgiveness again. We know what to do with our sins. You know what most of us don't know what to do? With our hurts. We don't know what to do with our hurts. But I want to remind you of the fact that when he died on the cross, he became you. He became you. And while he was hanging there, everything that's ever been said to you about you, it was nailed to him. Every hurt that has ever come in your life, he took it on the cross. And he covered it with his blood and he covered it with his love. And I think, oh dear Lord Jesus, that's wonderful. And so the Bible says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Just like I take my sin to the cross, guess what? I can take my hurt to the cross. You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody here ever been hurt? Anybody here had things you don't understand? Has anybody in this world ever done something to you that you felt like, God, I didn't deserve that? I want to tell you something. Before you were ever born, 
Anything evil that's said about you was said to him first because he set him first in front of you and put his hands out like this and said, it has to go through me first because he was on the cross. 2,000 years ago, he took that. Anything that was ever done to you, he took it first. So what do I get to do? Man, if you'll get this, it'll change your life. I can take my hurt and I can walk to that cross. And I say, Lord Jesus, here's my hurt. And he says, good. I've already experienced it. Just leave it here with me. And I roll my hurt on him. And when I take my sin, I walk away forgiven. But when I take my hurt, I walk away free. Free. And if the old devil comes to me and he tries to raise his ugly head and tries to make me remember my hurt, I have an option. I can look at my hurt or I can look at what? The cross. I can look at this love. And I can actually come to the place where I say, thank you, devil, for reminding me. Woo, Jesus, you love me so much you took my hurt. Woo. Y'all forgive me. I shouldn't, shouldn't be making so much noise up here. I should talk quietly. I know, but it's so life-changing. I can't believe it. Holy cow. As I received Christ, I can walk in him. And I can take my sorrow. I can take my sin. And man, the first time I heard this, and the first time it realized and dawned on me, I was writing and I was drawing graphs and I was drawing little circles and I was drawing stuff over there and I was, whew, I was just so excited. And I said, this is a new thing. I got to tell everybody about this. This is brand new. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this before, but he, he not only took my sin, he took my hurt and I can bring it to the cross and he'll cover it with his blood and he'll write my name all over it free, paid in full, paid in free, forgiven and free. And I said, whoo, isn't that awesome? And then the Holy Spirit, you know how the Holy Spirit can keep you humble? Anybody ever had the Holy Spirit in your heart just keep you humble? I started humming a song. How many remember that old hymn? How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Know that song? Great hymn. Listen to the verse. He took my sin and my sorrow. He made them his very own. He bore that burden to Calvary and he suffered and he died alone. How marvelous. How wonderful. And my song shall ever be. Ladies and gentlemen, that is where the law of God written in stone meets the love of God written in red and you and I have the benefit Forever. Paid in full. Canceled. Gone forever. Cleansed completely. Forgiven and free. Is that good news or not? Isn't that good news? Don't you think we ought to tell everybody that? One of the things that, that energized what I want to share you with today. I don't want us ever... Ever, 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 as a church, get away from the central message of this church, and that is to tell people about Jesus Christ, his love for us, and how they can know the joy.
the freedom of trusting Christ. You know, there's a, I'm going to do something a little different. Boy, I know that really surprises you, but I am. We're going to have a different kind of invitation. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stay seated. The other day, I was listening to a song. Oh, the blood. And I asked Daniel, I said, Daniel, do you think maybe with the lights turned down a little bit, you could sing that song for invitation? And if you will, I'll appreciate it. And if you won't, you don't get paid. Gladly, he said. Gladly, I'll do that. And so what I want you to do, as God speaks to your heart, and you want to come to him, I just want to invite you. If you're not a Christian today, and you want to find that love, that forgiveness, that eternal life, I want you to come see me. If you feel like this is the kind of church you could get in and grow in, I want you to come see Brother David. And say, I'm ready to get on board and go. And if you're here with a burden for a loved one or a friend or anything like that, or there's something in your life you'd just like to tell God, you may want to just tell him you love him. You may want to tell him, God, I have failed, and I know our fellowship's broken a little bit, and God, I want it to be restored. You want to get on your knees somewhere down here? We believe in prayer, and we'll do that. But I think today, he went to the cross for us. I'd kind of like to in a little small way, show him I love him enough to go to the cross for him.